0: blog talk radio
1: Hi, welcome to the podcast. It is my goodness, it's the beginning of autumn. This podcast is brought to you by AT&T Mobilizing Your World. Jim it is it's uh, the first podcast of autumn. I cannot believe how fast this year has gone. The summer seemed to fly by. I just, it just it feels like just a couple months ago I was at the Super Bowl. Well, that's what
0: happens when you get old. Everything seems like time flies by. Um which is actually true. They've done studies that when you're younger, you have fewer sort of experiences. So everything's the month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. When you're a kid, seems like it takes forever. When you become an adult, it's like, oh, my God, it's it comes and go. So. But we don't, well, we're that, having summer a in Southern California. It's, uh, it is really hot right now, which is people don't know that September is often the hottest month of the year in uh, Los
1: Angeles. So everyone else is cooling off and we're heating up. <laughs> Yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago I had uh, football games canceled. The uh, high school football games canceled because of the heat. In California, you can't play if the heat index is 95 or above. And on, oh, we've been told by our signer that on Friday we may have the same thing. So it, it's crazy. The, the drought continues, even though we get uh, some days of cool and, and rain. Uh, but you Well, know, you're going to, to be the, doing
0: – uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, Sid's uh, official. He's getting his first – College game on Saturday. Now that's in San Diego, so ch- I don't know if it's inland though. Might it have the
1: same problem with the heat? No, I don't think so. I think it's I, I think it's it's well, it's a little inland, but I uh, you know San Diego is often more temperate, and I don't think that 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 college has the same rules. I I I don't think it's going to be an issue though. It is a one p.m. kickoff, so we'll see. But its I'm kind of kind of I'm excited and nervous, I've been going through all the rules and I'll tell you, this, the NCAA rule book is so freaking long there's so much to know so many exceptions and this and that And um, So this is JC, but, I mean,
0: now do they, they use the same rules as the NCAA?
1: Yes with, yes, they do There are there are a couple different points of emphasis, some of the mechanics are slightly different um but and that that honestly officiating that is at least half of officiating maybe even more is just is the mechanics you you could get by knowing a, most of the rules but if if you know if you don't know the mechanics you're in big trouble and the mechanics is you know essentially where to be when to be there you know I'm a line judge and on a pass play I'm holding that line I am not dropping down the field until that ball is thrown and out of the quarterback's hands and and we're on our way. So, and, and knowing, you know, on a punt return, you know, I I have to move down the field ten yards and have to start backing up, and I have the have the goal line. So it's like it's it's knowing all that stuff is actually almost more important than the rules.
0: Well, explain to me one rule that's always confusing because it seems like it's called differently at the college and the pro level, and that's quarterback throwing over the line of scrimmage, illegal forward pass. Uh, what is the you know what the NFL rule is and what is the college rule? Because I've seen plays where I think a guy's over, but it's a different rule and depending on the jurisdiction.
1: No, I think it's the same. I You know, oh, I mean, well, to double, double check. But, yeah, I think it's it his it it full body has to be across the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think you know the, it, his entire body. So a lot of so times somebody's somebody's legs are
0: over the line of scrimmage, but his arm is kind of winding up and. When he throws it that slightly behind, does that mean it's a legal pass because technically that's considered part of the body?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, at the point of release, I think that's that's the important part. And, um, yeah, if his butt is in the backfield still, he's in the backfield. For, you know, when okay, you're running, you'll have one foot well behind the body. So i it's have to double-check. Listen, a lot of these – I just it, thought there was a difference with college tough. and pro. Well, I can uh, I can certainly look it up as we're talking. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Not important. I actually, just thought this. It well, it's one of my. It is actually one of my. One of my key responsibilities is knowing whether the quarterback is over the line of scrimmage. So, I will definitely be looking looking through that as we're uh, as we're going through. But you know what? What we wanted to talk about today there's a bunch of things. But as I was doing some digging on on the kiss cams actually um you know i these are becoming a hot button issue. I know there was a you know i've talked to a couple of people in the last few months um you know professional athletes actually about about the the kiss cam and how it's how it's getting tired even for a lot of people um in in professional sports and and seeing you know uh, we had a a great one of our readers um fought against the kiss cam with the the New York Mets and got them to stop trying to embarrass two men by showing them and and now Syracuse University's banned the kiss cam temporarily because there's claims of sexual assault and uh, you know it, it, there are so many different ways to look at at the kiss cam just kind of generally Jim what are your what are your thoughts on it
0: well, I think probably the initial intent was something cute, and I think it be, became kind of skewed to be something funny, like it was that you'll you'll go to any game and you'll see it, and then what they would start doing is putting two guys on it with the implication that oh that you know oh two guys kissing a isn't that kind of weird and what the Mets were doing were they were putting the kiss cam on two opposing players in the dugout, so it clearly was an attempt yeah. to ridicule them because the crowd would like laugh ha ha you know. It'd be two just teammates sitting next to each other, and there'd be a heart around them, you know, an artificial heart. Um, <clears throat> and so this Eaton, this uh, Mets fan, straight Mets fan from New York, started documenting this all the way back in like April and was posting all the time on Twitter about it and got some other writers to do it, and the Mets ignored him. They just kept doing it. And then he contacted us, and in the meantime, in had contacted us. He had contacted the Huffington Post and they were going to do a video with him, and they called the Mets for a reaction. And me, the Mets said, "Oh, we're stopping doing that." I mean, which of course was just because they didn't want the attention. But it really is kind of in 2015 this idea that you you think you're making fun of somebody by pointing out two men together. that forgot to be just kind of weird. It's just sort of old now. I mean, that has been around for years and it's got to the point where i think people even feel a little embarrassed when it comes on because there's almost this weird pressure if it's on you that you're going to have to kiss i saw jimmy carter and rosalind carter last week at a Braves game and that was kind of cute because you know jimmy carter's battling cancer but for the most part it just kind of it just kind of lame but yeah i think in the Mets case it was clearly done to mock the idea of two men from another team possibly being lovers
1: Well, I know a lot of people have opinions on this, so if you want to call in and weigh in on the KISS Cam, you can call 347-945-7834, 347-945-7834. It's interesting because I think the KISS Cam, and we'll just talk about the homophobia piece to start, I think there are times when it it can actually be used as, as a fun diversion. For example, I posted on Outsports just you know information about this podcast, and the Lakers have at different times put two celebrities, two male celebrities, in the on the kiss cam. And I used the photo of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, who have done a couple movies together, and I'm sure were at the game promoting a movie. And I mean, who knows? The studio might have asked them to put the kiss cam. Will Ferrell himself might have asked them to put the kiss cam on the two of them. So I thought that was. There are times when it, it, it kind of is. It is fun and it is cute. Um, there was a, a Jason Bateman and I can't remember who it was Robert De Niro or somebody ended up on the Lakers kiss cam a while back or the Clippers kiss cam. So there are there are times when it can be fun, and 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 especially when you get comedians like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley to to kind of play it up and have fun with it. But, but you know I guess. The question is, even in those fun moments, is there still underlying homophobia there? They're they're trying to poke fun at these two guys or have fun with these two guys by putting two guys in the kiss cam. Is that homophobic in and of itself, just putting two guys in the kiss cam to have a laugh? I, I mean, I,
0: I it with celebrities, I always think there's a different standard. I mean, the coolest moment was this year at the Dodgers when they put it on two guys who were a couple, and they did kiss, and the crowd cheered. And that was seemed like it was a genuine moment, and it seemed that I'm not sure if the Dodgers knew this was a couple, but it didn't seem like these guys felt ambushed in any way, and because they were a couple, they kissed each other. I don't, know, I don't want to go so far as saying it's by default homophobic. But clearly what the Mets did was a mockery, because they were using opposing players. They were not using New York Mets, for example. It was, you know, um, it was two guys from the Rockies or the Diamondbacks, whatever. So in that case, it clearly was done to mock them. Whether or not it's actually, by default, homophobic, I don't, don't know I want to go that far. But, yeah, I've been to games where it's kind of cute, you know, sometimes. But it's just most of the time, it just seems kind of, I don't know, forced or strained anymore, and you wonder if it just outlived its usefulness or if this is what people need to be entertained. Like we can't we can't go five minutes without have somebody entertaining us even at a sporting event and you know. Um but yeah I don't want to go give you know, me some blatant but this this fan clearly was on the Mets all season for this and kept pointing it out and other people kept pointing it out and the Mets were just ignoring it until they were to get even more media attention and then they decided to stop it. So the Mets clearly knew they were doing something wrong. By their, you know, sudden reaction to say, "Oh Jesus, this is gonna you know, this may, this may become a big story when we're playing for the playoffs for the first time in years."
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. They 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 knew that it was wrong, but rather that they knew that it could cause a problem for them if, yeah, if yeah. they keep doing it, despite the repeated repeated requests. So, yeah, it, well, the, the Mets' case is is particularly interesting because. It, you're right. It, it is more clear-cut. It, it's not having fun with a couple celebrities in Hollywood. It's trying to make fun of the St. Louis Cardinals and using homophobia to do that. Yeah. So that I mean, there's certainly there are more more. Nef- that's a little bit more nefarious in nature. But what about you know just the the kiss cam in general? You know, is it at Syracuse University? They stopped using it for football games at least temporarily because some people have started complaining that it's it's not just promoting sexual assault but it is actually sexual assault and it came from uh the, I guess recently at a football game the kiss cam was put on uh a couple of women and a couple of men and the men forced their lips onto the women even though the women didn't didn't want them want to be kissed and and I guess the question is you know it, it it's an interesting one. Does it actually endorse and, and promote? And is it actually sexual assault to, to, to try to convince somebody to kiss somebody else?
0: Well, I, I don't know the legal definition. I think it definitely has a sense of coercion because if, you know, you're a woman and you do not want the guy next to you kissing you and he turns and puts his lips on it and there's 60,000 people watching you, it can be highly embarrassing and uncomfortable. So I can kind of see that, especially at the college level where, you know, sexual assault is a real hot topic and it's a major issue. Um, You know, and and men tend to like to leer at this kind of stuff all the time, which is why we have cheerleaders at football games. And one of the funniest moments, actually, years ago when I went to a Raiders-Broncos game when the Raiders played out here, uh, they were showing, you know, people on the screen. It wasn't a kiss cam thing, and they focused on this gorgeous blonde woman with, you know, you're very well endowed and the crowd is hooting and hollering and carrying on and then she lifted her shirt up and there was a t-shirt underneath it it was a bronco shirt everyone immediately started booing her so it was one of those great in your face moments by her but usually i can see in the syracuse case i can kind of see it it's a real touchy subject and you put a camera on someone who's really like oh everyone's watching me and i don't want this to be happening um, if I'm a young woman at school, I'd feel really n- embarrassed and you know very uncomfortable to be put in
1: that spot. Yeah, and, and you know it's not just I've, certainly you know in in our culture the men are traditionally and stereotypically the the aggressors of on sex. And I know if I was in a a, a football stadium or basketball arena, if I was kiss cam was put on me and a woman, I wouldn't kiss her. And if she, if she kissed me, I would certainly not feel great about it. Uh, and I, I I push her away. So, um, so yeah. And, and the sexual assault, I, 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 I never really thought about it. I mean, you're, you are trying to coerce these two people to do something. And, and usually because of the humor at some point over the course of showing five or six different couples you come across two people you know are not a couple that's kind of the joke that they'll show these loving couples and they're obviously couples and they've they've scouted them in the in the stadium and then you come to two people who clearly aren't together and and coercing one of them to do something to the other one i think it's a great point i know i know this has become a cause to live for Bill O'Reilly, saying that this is this is uh, political correctness run amok. And I think when, you, when the difference is, we, you know, we could debate how far political correctness goes, but this is beyond just words. This is actually actions. This is somebody touching somebody else and, and doing so romantically and, and, and potentially inappropriately. And I, I think they have a good point at, at, at Syracuse about the practice. And I think if they're going to continue to do it, I don't first of all I don't know why because there's so many other ways to entertain the audience, but they need to find a way to recruit people before the game so that they're highlighting people who want to be on it.
0: Yeah, and especially at a college campus, I mean, you know, I think probably if every male college student could be female for a week, they'd probably really change open their eyes on what it's like. And, you know, women just talk about feeling that they're almost being kind of looked at all the time. They're being judged. I mean, it was a story today about this fraternity code book at James Madison University that, you know, detailed the women by hotness and gave their room numbers and gave the new pledges, all these tips on kind of uh, hooking up with the babes. And it's like this detailed thing about, you know, the so-and-so is a 10, so-and-so is a set, And it was like, this is so often the kind of stuff that young, horny college guys think about. And, you know, so I, so it's a place like Syracuse, I could see it being much touchier than maybe at a professional arena where you might be hitting an obvious couple, you know, uh, in their 50s or something, you know, that maybe have been holding hands or something. And I think a lot of the responsibility of whoever the camera person is and who's directing them to, you know, to do some scouting before, you know, you know the camera's going to come on at this break of the third quarter – well, maybe start looking in the crowd and see if there's already a couple there clearly is a couple. That's who you focus on. I mean, it's it can't just be a random thing of just turning it on and whoever two people are sitting next to each other. You know, they caught you and me at a football game. They might think we're a couple, but we're business partners. I mean, we'd feel uncomfortable turning and kissing each other because it just, you know, I'd feel uncomfortable in general with that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I think a, Syracuse probably has to go the extra mile and you know, I haven't really seen is this. Is this a? I always thought this was a pro phenomenon more than a college phenomenon in terms of the, you know, the, the stories we hear
1: about the kiss cam. Yeah, I, I did too. I didn't realize that colleges did it, and I think it is interesting that there are, I think, different sensitivities when you're talking about college, which when you, college kids are in a they're in a tight knit community. You're right. Um, you know, I didn't know about that James Madison fraternity sex manual. Um, but you do have people who talk and gossip, and 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 I and I think that there are different sensitivities because of the age and the tight knit community than there are in the pros. But even with the pros, it's still it's still just straight up strange. And I yeah. it, there are so many other ways again to entertain the audience. You know, first of all, why you have to entertain an audience anyway is is beyond my understanding. I mean, I understand it's it's a lot. I understand that halftime is, that's why they have a halftime show. But at a three minute timeout in a football or basketball game, the other think I understand. Baseball, you've got to do anything you can to entertain people because it's so freaking boring. <laughs> but 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 the other sports, I just don't understand why you would need to do something like this. And they have the the cannons that shoot off T-shirts, and they have you can do a lot of other things, a dance cam, a lot of other things you can do that don't involve. Kissing and forcing people to touch it's just such a, it's a it's just kind of dopey.
0: I was kind of wondering when I go to a sporting event is that how loud it is, not the crowd, but how much there's a feeling that it has to be constant noise from the p a system and I was kind of wondering what it would be like to go to a game football or basketball, and during the inter- during the breaks there are there is no nothing for the p a it's like It's silence, and the crowd can talk to each other or get on their phones. It would probably be so disorienting to people because we're so used to being prompted. You know, cheer now. You know, and it's like bombardment. It's like we cannot be constantly have a little bit of downtime for even a moment. And I know when I'm watching a football game, if I get involved in one, you know, I'll watch games with Dave Copay and commercials, we turned. There's a mute button on and just talk to each other because it's sort of a way to get distracting. Just to me, the game itself is so exciting. I know what you mean about baseball. I could probably use you know videos constantly during the game. But, yeah, it isn't funny that we kind of have to be always feeling the audience has to have its attention kept at every single moment lest we lose them.
1: And I I think you're you're right about the you know it's interesting you're either talking or checking your phones I think that the need for these kinds of things is is going away because even when I've, I'll go to games I'll see people looking at their phones I mean there's a play happening and somebody's on their phone checking their fantasy team or or or, or something you know, texting with a friend checking other news checking the game stats that what's going on in the stadium isn't actually as important. And I know that some teams like the Seattle Seahawks are doing more and more and more stuff through the phones, that you don't have to entertain the everybody looking at one thing altogether, that you can use the phones to entertain and engage people more. And so I think well, that the, the, yeah. the, the need for KISS cams is kind of going away.
0: Yeah, especially in the era of fantasy football, how big it is. I mean, you know, I think – everybody's checking their teams, or they're checking the NFL red zone or something. But yeah, I do think I just has, has a feeling that it's becoming something that's sort of outlived its usefulness for the most part, or if they're going to do it, it needs, like you said, to be a little bit better planned. How about knowing ahead of time, Hey, here are the couples in section 15 and here's, you know, one in section 20 and they've been, you know, kissing each other or touching each other. So we can put the camera on them. Or if you see a male couple that clearly is comfortable enough you know that that could be something but i think the dodgers one this year is one of the few that actually people said oh that was really kind of cool cuz it just seemed spontaneous and authentic
1: well yeah you can you, know, you can have people sign up for the kiss cam and then you know have have an usher confirm with them that they want to be on it you know so that friends aren't trying to you know prank a couple people there are ways to do it that just that are not that that aren't going to elicit the concerns of sexual assault and homophobia which I think, frankly, are legit, and there's things that I hadn't really thought about before. I think that's the way a lot of this stuff is. People just didn't really think of it before, and I'm I'm sure with the Mets, you know, when these first complaints came through about homophobia, they thought, ah, whatever, and then you know they get a phone call from uh, Huffington Post, and they're like, shoot, you know, maybe we just kind of missed the mark on this one, and so I imagine, the, I I I think you know the more we think about it, the kiss cam, just kind of kind to Go away, there are other ways to entertain people. You don't need to embarrass people with a kiss cam anymore,
0: yeah, and I thought it was cool that the Mets fan was not himself gay. it just it just struck him immediately as something that he thought was homophobic, and he began this season long campaign that you know finally ended uh, you know good for him, and the Mets will be in the playoffs so they have they have more important things to sort of focus
1: on now. <laughs> I'm not the most PC person in the world, but I just, yeah, I think it, I think it's time for this stuff to go. Yeah. Um, one other story that we wanted to hit on this week is the high school football player who wrote an anonymous story for us about why he stays in the closet. And Jim, why don't you just kind of talk about how that story came about and and what you could tell us about this young man?
0: Well, he wrote to Outsports just sort of talking about how the fact that he feels that he's not able to come out, he lives in the deep rural south. And so I simply said, Would you like to write something first just to see what he had to say? And he wrote something that was really so eloquent and well done that I then began a process of identifying him because we one thing Sid and I always do if we do anonymous stuff. We have to know themselves this person's real and um I I, you know verified it, I've talked with him and um his whole story, which you know, which is basically we tell so many positive coming-out stories that we sort of have to remember that there's still a lot of, especially teenagers, that are not in a position. I mean, he lives in a very small town, very religious. It's in the Bible Belt of the Deep South, and he does not think he can take the emotional abuse. He He's, he's told his sister. Uh, she's fine with it. His parents basically prayed with him, and then they've never spoken about it, and he doesn't feel in his situation in his tiny town that he would be accepted. Um, And it was a story about how he said that, you know, the next time he writes for Outsports, he wants to be someone who's on the other side of the closet. And I've already gotten him in touch with, um, uh, you know, Bobby Petrino, Jr., the son of the Louisville coach. And he said he's gotten, you know, emails from people already because of the story that really made a big difference because he just feels isolated. I mean, he doesn't know anybody else in his town who's gay It is a really tiny town, and, you know, he's a Bible study leader. And I just thought it was an important story for people to see that there are still a lot of, you know, young kids especially who would want to come out, but they don't feel they can. And, you know, you and I have always differentiated them from pro athletes. We feel at some level can come out, but, you know, I can can see why this – young players not ready to but i just thought it was an important story and he told it so well about feeling imprisoned in his closet and wanting to reach out but just not feeling that right now he can kind of take what he feels would be not physical abuse cuz he said i'm a big guy but emotional abuse
1: yeah you know, with all these stories i i i i i do wonder how much of the fear is would be realized if they did come out you know, would they be sent off to a reparative therapy center? Would they be kicked off team and and shunned by all their friends, or or just how deep has the acceptance and that, become? See, that's an excellent norm?
0: point, and I think we talked about that with the Mason Darrow story at Princeton—that all the drama was in his head. Now, this player is—you know—he is in a small town, so. I guess a lot of it is it just he's not yet comfortable enough to make that to the point where the, 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 the possibility of being ostracized outweighs the benefits right now. I mean, this is someone clearly I know that will be out when he gets older, probably when he goes to college and beyond that. I mean, there's not a question about that, but that right now at this point in time, he just, he doesn't feel that it's worth the risk given where he lives and, you know, We've always said you have to be ready, and he's not ready yet. So I thought his story was its a good one to read because it shows that this is still going on, and even if it's, you know, in their mind, you know, I think they'd all like to be able to do it, see what happens, and then if it goes badly, somehow, you know, wind, unwind the clock and have it start over. But that's why people often take a deep breath, and we've done stories. I mean, how many countless stories where people have taken years before they reach that position, you know? the rugby player, Sam Stanley in England. You know, it's like, and he's in his 20s, so here's someone who's, I think he's 17. Um, you know, so something people still wrestle with. But I just thought it was a, but I was very eloquent in the way he wrote about himself, and his parents wanted to send him into reparative therapy, and he said, that means they think I'm broken, and I'm not broken, and I thought that was very well said.
1: Yeah, and we we we, we really shy away from Sharing anonymous stories now because we have so many people who are out we can share. But you know, just like with the high school football official in Louisiana, there are, there are times when people do have stories that that really show a, a shine of light into what the closet is like, particularly in some of these smaller towns and areas that are more stereotypically homophobic, and we want to keep sharing those stories. It's um, funny comes, we know, did. We you and
0: I did a thing with clemson university on skype and you had to leave um for another engagement and i was on and somehow because i was talking about south carolina i described clemson as an oasis for lgb students and they all laughed at me and said they would never think of clemson as being an oasis and i guess i was trying to be nice and i said my perception is that you know south carolina is probably pretty homophobic about the rest of the country they all said oh yeah it is and so to them the south still was a place that they felt was behind the times and of all the coming out stories we've done, we've done very, very few from the South. It's been the region that's been the most or least represented in terms of coming out stories and out sports. And so these Clemson students sort of said, "Yeah, the stereotypes that you you may have of South Carolina, you know, in the South, they ring true to them."
1: Well, yeah. Except I know, you know, I know we have good friends in Charleston who are totally out, and Charleston's a very, I think, somewhat pretty safe place to be gay. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah. Two players at Erskine College who have now gone on to other other colleges, um, and they had certainly faced some homophobia, but the students were were really fantastic, and a lot of the administration. So, even in South Carolina, you have a lot of acceptance, a lot more than people I think will realize. Well, but, yeah, they uh, just that, laugh at
0: they just laugh at me calling it an oasis. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs>
1: that's all the time we have this week. The podcast was brought to you by AT and T, mobilizing your world. Ditch those other carriers. Go to AT and T. This is Ted Ziggler for Jim Bazinski. We will catch you next week.